With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Button Fight Show. This is episode number 92. We are careering towards 100 episodes, but uh, tonight we'll be talking the latest MMA and boxing news, plus, of course, another top guest from the world of combat sports to chat to. Uh, we are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Ace Podcast Nation, of course, you're home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. So please do give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, click the bell for notifications. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio format, we are now part of the Sports Socials Podcast Network exclusively. Uh, All the content created by Ace Podcast Nation, you'll find there under the various websites for each show and series. 
but uh, you can check them out sport.social.co.uk they are the first or the uk's first dedicated sports net podcast network mouthful but uh, they're very interesting they got daily premier league podcasts as well as podcasts on uh, all sorts of sports but let's get into it uh, joining me as ever first and foremost is my co-host former cage warriors champion the legend of uh, british mma it is mr daniel button how are you mate yeah yeah i'm all good fresh with it and can't wait to do this podcast yeah no, you're f- full of it mate full of it you are fresh <laughs> Fresh, knackered, bedraggled, and and struggling. (laughs) That's the way. Uh, But we are uh, tonight's guest has been on the channel before, indeed, been on the show a couple of times before. First time he's been on with that slightly new format. So looking forward to uh, to having a chat to him. But he is a former professional fighter in his own right, one of the best MMA coaches in Europe, if not the world. He's head coach at Shore MMA, and of course, coach. Father to UFC star Jack Shaw. It is Mr. Richard Shaky Shaw. How are you, Richard? Hey, fellas, how are we doing? All right. Yes, mate. Really good. looking uh, looking forward to having a chat and catching up with you. Um, obviously, that one as well. I take that one. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I always feel like you got to mention the fact that you're obviously Jack's your son and your coach, but you've got so much other stuff rather than just being Jack's dad. And I always feel like I'm conscious of that. So I like, you know, I want to talk let about me, you. Let me tell you now, right? That's <laughs> all I have now off, off the boys in the gym. Jack's dad. Jack's so dad. Lost all sort of like sense of identity. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Instagram story yesterday, but they've got a mock-up UFC uh, shirt with Jack's dad written on it. Um you know, me on the street and they're going, Are you Jack's dad? Um, <laughs> training tonight. Oh, I have it all the time, mate. I've lost my well, If I'd known all you shake his boy, but now we see you Jack's dad, it comes full circle. If I'd known all that, I would have just put Jack's dad underneath you instead of Richard Shaw. Now you watch. There we go, mate. There we go. But um it feels like so normally I with the guests I do start with go right back to the beginning and how you got into MMA and combat sports, but we will get there. But I do feel like the right place to start is you obviously had a recent trip to Vegas. It was only you know, a fortnight ago, uh, a very successful one. But um, as, a, as a coach, how did you find it? As a man, how did you find it? And as a father, how did you find it? Um, so so third, my, my third visit there now under, um, under the COVID lockdown system, but... You know, people think it's a jolly, don't they? Oh, you're off to Vegas, see the bright lights. But it's it's anything but I find it stressful, if I'm honest. I I, I don't enjoy the process. You know, it's a 24-hour journey to get there. And then it's pretty much training three times a day, managing, you know, the fighter's weight, um, sleeping. You know, you can't go visiting anywhere. You're locked in a bubble, so you can't go out visiting. Uh, a bit easier this time. They, they actually allowed us to use the pools because the last twice we've been out, the swimming pools have been um, a no-go area under the Las Vegas rules. But at least you had a, a couple of hours to kill. And the PI was at full function as well, which was good. So we could use, you know, the plunge pool, sauna room, jacuzzis, all those sort of things were open to the fighters this time around as well. But, um, you know, happy with the the end result. But as for the trip, I said, oh, you're lucky, sod, you're off to Vegas again. It's, honestly, I hate it. Uh, give, give, me, um, give me a UK-based show over it. A little bit different if it's the crowds, but under the current climate with the the lockdown and the you know fighting at the apex and this 
wrapping up in a bubble for five days before the fight and you can't step outside of it. Uh, I find it tough, tough mentally more than anything. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, but I think from what I've heard is a lot of the UFC shows, you're not even allowed to leave the hotels in some of them. I think it's probably opened up a little bit, like you mentioned, some of the facilities are open. But I know when Danny was out in there and you went out to the Fight Island ones, you are literally locked in a hotel and you've got to use the gym at a certain time and pretty much that's it. So it's like people underestimate how stressful that is on just the, men- the mental side of it, it, just being stuck in one place. So whilst you're in Vegas, you're not really in Vegas, are you? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, we, we always go 10 days early just to acclimatise because Jack struggles a bit with the um, with the jet lag. So it takes him four, you know, three, four, five days to get into that sleeping pattern. I think if we flew out on a Monday, it'd be an absolute nightmare, if I'm honest, um, because the wake-up would be on us and we still wouldn't be in a sleeping regime. But, you know, the first couple of days isn't too bad, you know, because you're in a different hotel. But even then, there's not a lot open out there. You know, you can go to the casinos, but it's not like you can go out and eat and drink. So we tend to just stay at the hotel, travel back and forth to the PI. Then when we went into the fight, this hotel on the Monday, um, they ship you back and forth to the, the PI for training and uh, use of the facilities. But as you said, you can't. If, if you're caught outside of that bubble, you're off a card. They kick you straight off. There's zero tolerance with it. Yeah, there was a guy in the, one of the Fight Island cards, wasn't there? Who, um, didn't he have a bag passed to him or something? I forget. Like, now, I, what it was. Yeah, it was a crazy situation. Bring a bag in, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah, and he, he, he had climbed along the outer railings. Where, where you've got like a little mini balcony to overlook the track and what have you. Um, yeah, it apparently shimmied all the way along there to, to drop a bag of God knows what was in it. But um, yeah, not good. Not good. Crazy situation. Yeah, you're right. You can't go anywhere. Uh, you know, I'd pick Fight Island any day over Vegas with the yeah, current situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit holiday-esque out there. I mean, the hotel rooms are just absolutely incredible. I mean, to, to be hemmed in in the room itself, it ain't such a bad deal. Um, and you've got lovely restaurants there. You, you've got access to your own private beach. It's an absolute nuts experience, but Vegas is a bit of a different entity, really. You are really hemmed into a tight space, uh, not a lot to do entertainment-wise. I'm, I'm really good with my own self, um, and I don't mind being close proximity with other people and, and make it a bit of entertainment, a bit of fun or what have you, but it's pretty difficult going, and people do think it's a, a, a leisure trip. It ain't. It ain't yeah. by any means. And I imagine even more stressful for Richard in, in, for the fact that he's out there with his son as well. So he has yeah. you know, extra emotions uh, on top of him. But, yeah, it's it's a place of work and, and mm. you're traveling to work. And, OK, you might get an opportunity if the lockdown wasn't there with the Vegas trip uh, in particular to maybe go and see a little bit of Vegas um, in future trips. But it's a lot of work and not, not much play. And with the current climate, no play at all. It's all work, work, work out there. Um, as well, even outside of lockdown, when we've gone to, you know, with Marshman, when we've gone to Vegas and when we've gone to New York, unfortunately, they've flown us out early hours the following morning. So, you know, uh, yeah, I'm mentally done after a fight. You know, I, I'm, I'm, not one of these, I'm not one of these party guys that thinks you've got to go partying after a, I'm quite happy just go back to my room, reflect on the fight, get my head down, mm. and, uh, and get back home, you know, um, the proper body boys. You know what I mean? I miss home when I'm away. Yeah, well, funny enough, I'm so used to seeing fighters, as soon as they've had their fight, go home. Like, you see them back in the UK, like, a 
a couple of days later. I was surprised to see um, Paddy, Paddy Pimblet and, and Molly. Um, they were still out there a few days later, sort of doing, you know, different bits of media and stuff like that. But I'm so used to the fighters, you know, flying straight back after they've had their fights. I think that media was done from home because they, they flew All right, from great. home on the Sunday. They All right, great. Well, on a different flight to us, but we've seen them at the airport. I think the pair of them didn't, they weren't double jabbed, so they had to go into the 10 day isolation. So they ah, got you. a lot of media stuff to do while they were, um, while they were isolated. Got you, got you. Because it was weird. It may have been that they just released them yeah, afterwards. Could well. Yeah, it could have been released. Because it just felt like I saw. Um, Paddy was on the um, Ariel Hawani's thing, and he was in person, but it was just, it must have been before, and I just, not really good with dates, and I must have missed it. Um, you mentioned jet lag, Rich. Like, talk to me a little bit about that, because I, like, I've never been far enough to get jet lag, but I can imagine that I'm the sort of person who would suffer badly with it, because my sleeping pattern's all over the shop anyway. But, like, how much is that an impact, like, because obviously it must have some sort of impact because you're flying out earlier than... I mean, it, it, it takes us, you know, the coaching team and Jack, it, it, on the two trips we've done Vegas, it took us three, four days to level off and start, you know, because you're travelling for 24 hours, you've had minimal sleep, you know, we got to travel from Wales, I think this flight we were flying 10 o'clock, so we left Avatil at 5am, I hadn't really slept the night before, you know, it's like you're worrying you're going to miss a bloody alarm, so we left 5am, and I think we landed in Vegas 24 hours later. And, it, you know, I went in with Marshmallow once and I fell asleep. And I woke up like 10 o'clock in the evening. And that was me done then for the entire trip. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. uh, waking up 2 o'clock in the morning, falling asleep, 6, 6 p.m. So what we try and do, we try and get the sleeping pattern right. Like Jack was fighting early. Um, on the first show we done in Vegas, we, we actually had to leave the hotel at 6.30 a.m. Um, because I think we had to... Uh, trying to think what time. I think it's surely for like 9.30 in 9.30 a.m. in Vegas time. So you're not even getting 24 hours to, re to recover from the weight cut. And, you know, Jack does cut a fair bit of weight. He's a big bantam. Um, this time round, it was 11.30. So we try and get the sleeping pattern. So we're doing the same sort of pattern for the, the five days leading up to the fight. Um, so the fight day is as normal as the other days we've been waking up and going training. Yeah, of course, this, this time round, because there were so many British fighters on that card... And I suppose it was supposed to be a London card, wasn't it? So they they added on in prime time UK slot. So whereas normally you'd be fighting, you know, like three o'clock our time or something like that, it's it was a very different uh, time zone and time frame this time round. In terms of the fight, um, Rich, how did you feel it went? Jack's well, performance. Uh, it went exactly how we felt. That was the game plan. Um, we've sent the USC the video. Jack got took down two weeks, two weeks prior to the fight. We were doing wrestling drills. Um, he's gone into a spa with young Levi, who's one of our, who we've had on the show. And in the scramble, he's like cupped his arm and from like five foot has come down and separated his shoulder. Now, I for, for a good four or five days after that, we we as a coaching team were serious about pulling him out. But we started getting treatment. Um, we we seen a specialist back in the UK. They said with the treatment they felt the PI could give us 10 days out of the fight, they could get him through. Um, but he did not throw a punch, didn't do any sparring, any pad work for two weeks. The first time he hit the pad with his hands, all we done was running and kicks, um, was the day before the weigh-in. And all that was 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 one-two. And the, the game plan was one-two, low kick, defend any any takedowns. 
Um, and, and to be honest, I think it went it went off to it because he, he was seriously seriously bad with it. You know, we struggled all week with it. He's a tough old cookie, the, the boy. You know what I mean? So he wanted to get on with it. He was confident he could beat this lad with one arm, and and the proof was in the pudding. But it, it was bad after. You know, the following day he, he was in a lot of pain. Um, mm. Props to the UFC; they've paid for him to see um, have an MRI, see a specialist, and we're awaiting the uh, the results off the UFC doctor tomorrow with a plan for. For what he needs. Fingers crossed. I don't think it's going to be an operation. Um, I just think it'll be rest and a, and a, re- a rehab program with a bit of that. He's also snapped his thumb in the first round as well. So he's um, he's, in a cast, he's been in the cast for two weeks and I think he's got another another four weeks in the cast as well. He's bad as brutal. So throw in a punch. Snap your thumb. <laughs> but um, I thought, uh, uh, I, go on, Dan. Yeah, you can jump in. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Yeah, yeah. When when you say his thumb went, was you aware that his thumb had, had gone like in between the rounds? Did he say? No, uh, you know, he was. Um, he, he he gave a little like look down at the thumb and said, "I think it's broke." But with these things, you never know in a fight. But uh, yeah, when we added X-ray, when we got home, um, it was a complete fracture, a complete snap. Like right at the base yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one of my lads, when he was fighting uh, on an amateur event, uh, Denzel, he got put in an armbar in the first round, and he pulled his elbow line out from the hips. But you know what it's like at this amateur level? When these young lads get an armbar, they, they put the hips right the way through, regardless of whether they got the elbow in or not. And he put it all the way through, and he, and he snapped his forearm. But the ref they didn't know. Um, and I didn't know until he come back to the corner. He come back to the corner saying, oh, I said, throw your cross, throw your cross. You know, mm-hmm. you're just jabbing. He goes, no, I broke my arm. Unbelievable. He finished the fight. He fought one out, uh, one handed for the whole fight. And uh, yeah, uh, amazing. But, you know, I, I, that's what I was just kind of curious about. You know, was you aware? Did you have to make different plans and adjustments because of the complaint of the farm or you just carried on with no, to be, to the, be the booked idea? All we had in the arsenal really was a, a one-two and a low kick with both legs. You know, put a couple of mid kicks and high kicks. But what when we'd watched this, like again, you know, we don't have luck, no luck. We had um, we prepared for a striker, which was Saeed Nurmagomedov. You know, and we brought in um, specialist sessions around around that kid's style. Two weeks out, he's withdrawn as a visa. They give us a Georgian wrestler. When we had a look at this wrestler as well, you could see he was like a legitimate um, high-level grappler wrestler. So we prepared for that. Then we had the bloody injury. So then I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, he's going to have to wrestle for three rounds. We fly on the the Wednesday. We land in in Dallas Airport. We turn the phones on and we have a message saying the Georgian's out. Um, And then they've come in with this other wrestler, then the kid off off the Ultimate Fighter. But I had watched him through the show. But as soon as we landed, we had a good look at him. Um, Very heavy on the lead leg and very very walk-forward style. I just felt with Jack striking, he could... He could counter punch him, box on the back foot, and and drive in those low, you know those low kicks. And I, I just felt he put on a clinic. I, for me, I felt it was one of his best performances as a pro. Yeah, yeah, it was incredibly impressive. Great. It was incredibly impressive. And I thought, um, like me and Danny have been big uh, proponents of Jack, and we feel like since he's gone to the, you know, even before, but since he's gone to the UFC, he's really shown that um, the British fighters are not just strikers; they can grapple and wrestle to an extremely high level and um, you know once his injuries are healed up I really look forward to to seeing seeing him go up against those ranked fighters because after we all after we obviously talked about the, the the fights that night we obviously had a look at the rankings and we were kind of looking 
at the top 15. And we were saying we fancy Jack against most of them yeah. on his day. Um, is there a particular route you want him to take? Or is it just a case of you want to just keep stacking up those wins and keep improving? Top, we would like a top 15 X. I think he deserves that. Um, his last fight was the last fight in his contract. So we're in the middle of um, negotiating a, a new contract. And at the end of the day, you know, if he's going in against top 15 guys, we, we, we want to be paid for facing top 15 guys, you know. So um, that would be the plan. I think top 15 um, and, and just start working our way up those rankings. The problem is, there's a lot of them guys in the top 15 won't want him because after I think after his last fight, you'd have probably thought, oh, if I can keep him on the feet, I'll box again. And then after watching I, I think, that, you know, he showed the entire roster that he's got a, a high-level striking game as well, you know. So... Um, he's going to be a problem in any area for anybody in that top 15. Absolutely. Um, just quick, uh, Donna's put in a couple of questions for you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Richard relating to Jack. Um, she says, first of all, she said, I couldn't cope with my father teaching me to drive, let alone a, as a professional fighter. But she said, um, do you find it easier or harder to coach Jack over, you know, Levi or Jack Marshman, Oban, all the other fighters who you coach? Be honest, it's something we've always done. He says the same in the interviews. It's like we, we've never known it any other way. So, I mean, I'm probably a bit a bit tougher on him um, than I am some of the others. Um, as for coaching, he's probably the easiest kid in the in the gym to coach. And you know, I'm not just saying that because he's my lad. It, his attitude towards training, it, it, his um, willingness to learn new techniques, his willingness to listen to the coaching team around him, take on board new ideas, try things out, inspiring. Um, I've never got a nagging about getting up at uh, 6.30 to be in the gym for seven for his runs every morning. You know, he's so disciplined in every area. He, he's a dream to coach. The, the hard part is is the fight itself and fight week, you know. It's upsetting when I'm watching him cut weight. Do you know what I mean? The um, the paternal side comes out there a little bit. It's never nice to see him um, struggling that last two days. And obviously, the fight itself. I mean, we were waiting to come out and I've asked Carl for a a bottle of water and it wasn't until I took the water off and I realized how bad I, I was shaking, you know, and mm-hmm. I said, right, take a deep breath. Now everything will be okay. Um, and I, and I feel the, the sensation I feel is like crying. I feel like crying when I'm walking out, but then once we sit down, once he's in there and once that bell goes, I don't know what it is like a, a switch flips and the two of us just interact and, uh, uh, and the coach takes over the father then, you know, but, uh, no, I, I, I don't enjoy it. You know, I'd have rather than become a professional golfer or tennis. Mm-hmm. Would have made that. But I find it, you know, coaching wise, he's probably the easiest to coach. But you know, I find it easier to coach some of the other lads than mm-hmm. Jack in an actual fight. Yeah, I am. Um, when I'm watching my older boy play football, he's a goalkeeper. I I get really stressed out, and I it's, I find it incredibly stressful to the point where I don't watch him as much now because I get so stressed about it. And then I was thinking, God, imagine if he was like a, a professional fighter where he's getting punched in the face and kicked. It. How stressful that is. 
it's got to be stressful, but I'm assuming, like you said there, once you're your cage side and stuff, the kind of coaching and the job takes over any sort of apprehension or stress or whatever you want to call it. I think it's a case of me just focusing on him. Do you know what I mean? I've got to, yeah. I'm not doing my job for him if I'm not pitched in. Yeah. You know, everything backstage. I've got a good group around me. You know, Carl Parker's a godsend. He takes a lot of pressure off me on the day of the fight. Um, he's the yin to my yang, as I say, you know. So, um, yeah, it is stressful. But I said to him once about when he was early on in his pro career about maybe he needs to possibly look at another team. It was, you know, the day I walked away. So he's probably in a bit of a bloody spot, lads. You know? <laughs> A <laughs> um, couple more questions from the live chat. Uh, Gaz says, uh, "Why is your nickname Shaky?" I think we have this question every time, don't we? It, it's, it's an anticlimactic answer. When I was fifteen, I used to collect glasses in um, a busy bar in Abbot Lady for six quid a night. And, and one night, uh, one of the barmen did. I was only fifteen, so I had to serve behind the bar, and I was stressed out on that, and I was like literally shaking. Serving these beers, and one of the one of the regulars was at the bar and goes, "F sake, shaky, stop shaking him, spilling my pint." And we're well, everybody <laughs> shaky. I'll have a lager. Then all the app lady youth rugby boys came in who were a bit older than me at the time, but they knew me, and they could hear the older groups calling me shaky. And then they've started, and it just went from there, mate. It just spiraled stuck. Oh, so <laughs> drunk man in a bar give it me one night and it's stuck. Out. <laughs> when I owned a pub for a couple of years and I was in the pub one day and one of the regulars answered the phone and he's gone, nah, no one, no one with that name here, mate, and put the phone <laughs> looking for. He says, somebody called Richard. I said, it's me, you dick. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, uh, funny enough, I think um, when I worked in a pub and I was like 16, so my, my nickname was Turbo because I was, apparently I was quite laid back and just slow. So uh, and that stuck for a few year, few years. Luckily, I think um, it's got got away from that one because I didn't like it. But when when it comes from like an older generation or the regulars or whatever, you can't really can't get rid of it at the age of sixteen, seventeen. Really um, the line is still with me. Yeah. Well, there we go. Could be worse. So you could have had a much you know much worse names. So <laughs> I suppose it's that. Now. Um. Right. Let's have a little dig into you, uh, Richard, because you've got. Uh, You've had an interesting old, uh, old, old life, I suppose, isn't it? Um, first and foremost, I want to sort of ask you about your initial kind of entrance into combat sports and martial arts and things like that. Like, how did how did you get into it and how old were you? Um, as a kid, I did judo for about 12 months. I, I was probably about seven, eight years of age. But then fo football, football was my focus as a youngster. I played football right through school. Um, played like right up until like the age of 29. I played football every week, trained regular. But between the ages of I think it was probably about 23 to about 29, I was also working in clubs. And um, there was a group of doormen. Um, it was a, a, a gentleman who's passed away now, Reese Long, who was a black belt in judo. And there's a gentleman called Steve Amon who was a black belt in crack. And two, three times a week, these doormen would meet up. And a bit of cross training, if I'm, if I'm honest. If you look back, we were one of the first first groups to be sharing a bit of judo with a bit of karate, with a bit of with a boxer there. Um, and I turn up these sessions, and I'll be honest, you know, they were they were rough and tough, and they, they toughened me up. And I really believed that I could fight. And then uh, at 29 years of age, I bumped into an old school friend. Um, uh, he trains with me now to this day, Steve Jane. 
And uh, Steve says, "You still training with the lads down the club?" And I go, "Yeah." He says, "Do, do you want to have a do you want to have a grapple?" I thought, "Oh Christ, I'll murder him now." You know, Steve, he was never never an aggressive lad in school. So I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll have a grapple." You know, so we jump on the mats that we're in at the left centre, and he absolutely smashed me. I, like I had to give up after three minutes. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> He was like sweeping me. He was reanimated. All these things I'd never seen, you know. Um, I, he must have subbed me, and it's not exactly ten times in like three minutes. And like it was like, what? What's just happened there? So he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm, I've been learning this jujitsu." He said, um, "You ought to pop up." So I'm, I'm gonna have to have a look at that because that's just fried my head. So I turn up at a, a club called Falcons Martial Arts. Um, it was a kickboxing and traditional jujitsu club. Um, I walk through the door, and the guy in charge tells me that there's no technique night. It's just grappling sparring i thought all oh, right i look around the room about 20 people in there probably six adults the rest were aged between i just said like 13 to 16 so i'll be all right in you and then for the next 60 minutes i just had one child after another submit me in <laughs> as you can imagine i was a 29 year old man think that thinks he can look after himself on the street it's quite a humbling experience um the traditional jujitsu they were doing was taijutsu kai and probably danny's probably with us back in the day and there's a gentleman mm. called Rob Nakaro run the title, or still does, is the head of the title. And he had Carly Gracie over, so he had a massive grappling influence. In, the, in He was one of the first traditional jiu-jitsu guys to bring in a, a, a Gracie and implement it into his, into his syllabus. Uh, one of the youngsters was a, a 15-year-old Joe Duffy who went on to have a successful UFC career. Oh, wow, yeah. You know, I've come out from this room, and I, and I, I say this to all the new starters. I've run this story by everyone that starts with me. And I sit in the car... And I'm scratching my head thinking, what's just happened to me for the last 60 minutes? Now, those situations will make or break an individual. I could have drove back to the nightclub, said to the bouncers, right, well, let's continue with our three nights a week, doing a bit of training, nice and comfortable. I'm holding my own with all these guys. But what I done, I went back on the Monday and I trained five to six days a week, every week without fail from that point on. And then obviously, you know, I'm down here. The class is here because I'm doing like twice as much as everybody else. Sooner or later, we we reach this point, you know. Um, but uh, I, I fell in love with it, you know. I was it was my drug of choice. I was addicted, you know. I wasn't sleeping the nights because my mind would be working over things, you know, that we'd learned that day. And um, after six weeks, I had my first competition. I went up to Hedyford and I'd done um, a novice jujitsu tournament, and I won it. And I was terrified when I went up there. I could have quite easily run out through the. <laughs> I was, my legs were shaking, I was sweating, I was being sick in the toilet, and I went out and I had um, uh, three bouts, and I won all three bouts and, and won the gold medal, and that was me done there, mate, I suppose it's like a drug addict taking heroin for the first time, there was no looking back, you know, I was kind of, and, um, as much as I could, I was travelling around the country, going to as many seminars, so my first my first base was traditional jiu-jitsu and kickboxing, I'd done that. Right up until like um, 2007, I went to the World Martial Arts Games. I took a gold medal out there, won a world title. And then, obviously, the MMA and that started taking over with me. I was competing regularly with that with amateur, and I'd done a few pro bouts. Um, I was a little bit too old, if I'm honest, by the time that came around. I wish I'd been 10 years younger. I'd have given it a much better crack of the whip. And then I got, obviously, into my Brazilian jiu-jitsu and started competing all over the UK with that, you know. And um, I found coaching was, my, was more of a forte for me than... Than fighting, I, I had a good brain for things, you know. I could break things down and, and remember things. I could tweak, and I, I was a pain in the ass, you know. I, I constantly asking questions. I was that guy at the seminar. I wish he'd shut up. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, my, my mind would have to work out what I, what we were being taught. But 
that was my introduction. That was back in 2000, and 2000 probably, 2001, that I got my ass kicked by a room full of kids. And uh, here I am, 2021, still getting my ass kicked by a room full of kids. <laughs> They're just bigger kids now. Um, so Richard, obviously, sure, MMA is... Um, the facility itself is, you know, it's top of the range facility, and I don't think I think it's fair to say there's nothing quite like it in the in the area and, and surrounding areas. Um, I know Brett's got um, sort of his facility. I don't know if it's open yet up in Swansea, but these 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 types of top level facilities, uh, hopefully, I think will be, you know, they're going to pop up more and more. But I think Sure MMA itself is obviously fantastic. Tell me a little bit about how that came about, because obviously you were with um, Abertillery. Is it Ab what was it Abertillery Combat? Abertillery Combat, yeah. So back in in two thousand and seven, I'd gone to Germany. Um, I, I won the won the won the world title in sport jiu-jitsu. There was I was taking more and more classes for the club that I was um, that I was you know learning at, and more and more the lads were saying you ought to go off on your own, start your own club, start your own club. So. It got to the point where I was taking the classes pretty much, you know, three, four nights a week, you know. So I ended up having a look about. I found a little a little room under a nightclub. It used to be the old cellar. It was um, eight and a half metres long, four and a half metres wide. And Daniel said, that's not, no space at all. And that's where Lady Combat was born. That was my first gym. There was 12 of us. I left and it was um, 11 guys come with me, including our Jack. And we started training there. Um, within probably eight, nine months, it was like 30 people trying to squeeze in, in there. Mm -hmm. I took on a, a small industrial unit, which is um, four doors away from where Shaw Martial Arts is now. I went there for a year sooner. You know, that that we outgrew that and we ended up in a facility in Blainer. Uh, the name came about is because we, we'd entered a competition and we didn't have a name, you know. So uh, the guy was pressing me for a name via email. I, I've just gone uh, to Lady Combat MMA. And it stuck, you know, that was our name. But... I just felt with them, when we moved to the new premises, which was two years ago, funny enough, this week, uh, we needed a rebrand. I felt like we'd outgrown to Lady Combat MMA. I wanted a facility where we'd cover everything, you know, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling, boxing, kickboxing. But also I wanted a fitness center, um, which people just come there and train and, you know, do their cardio, do their fitness. So we branded it with Mixed Martial Arts, and I felt that with Jack being in the UFC, it gave us a bit more of a brand name. Um, and and it's, it's, well, it, it took off brilliantly. We started in November 2019. October, yeah, end of October 2019 it was. And then obviously COVID came in March 2020. So, you know, <laughs> it, was a, it was a huge investment. You know, the money we spent on the place was unbelievable. And it was on the back end of Jack winning in his, his UFC debut. So we... I just felt the show MMA brand would, would go down well. It was the right time. Everything seemed to take place. But now we're back up and running. Um, the facility, as you said, I, I believe that it's on a par with anywhere in Europe, not just the UK. Um, and we've developed a team there now, you know, not just a professional team. The amateur team, the amateur team I got is going to far outdo this professional team by a mile in a couple of years. So, you know, we've got a good conveyor belt of talent coming through. I, I, when I set it up, I always had the, even in the old days, you know, uh, I, I enjoy looking at other sports or like I'd enjoy reading the Alex Ferguson book and how we built the, the Manchester United Foundations with good youth set up, you know, because there's no good me having this group of fighters 
And then, you know what it's like, Danny, you know, Ren and Jimmy Star, fighters come and go. The girlfriend gets pregnant, the job changes, they've got to move away. You can lose a group of fighters like that. What I wanted was to set up a, a youth system where we got like kids jujitsu, kids Muay Thai, then at 15, they can come on and start doing wrestling and MMA. And then at 17, they can start joining the classes. And, you know, we've got we, we've had great success with that. I think we've got the foundations right now. We've got a good um, a good teammate teaching the kids, young Aiden, Colin Mould with the jiu-jitsu. I, I got crew him with the, the tie. And Jack himself does the kids' MMA sessions. So, you know, it's, it's a good base right through. Um, and like I said, I really believe you, you'll see in six years... Uh, an abundance of talent coming from where we are. Uh, I really believe that. We done the meltdown show the other day, you know, and we, we came away with eight wins and a loss. A loss should have been a win. I don't know what two of those judges are watch, watching. I felt he won every round. Um, I think I put a statement out there. That we have got a blueprint which has been successful at the moment. With you know, mm. first time I've gone to a show, and we've we've dominated like that with with every fighter on the card. Mm. Um, Danny, I'm going to leave you with Richard just for a second. Um, I've just got to sort something out behind my screen in a minute. Um, so just bear with me a second. Yeah, I'll leave you to ask some questions. Won't be a second. No worries. And because I'm being left with you, I want to go back to Jack Shaw. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that um, you know that, that to stand out for me, um, and bearing in mind that we spoke about Jack throughout his career through uh, Cage Warriors on the podcast, and one of the things that was largely untested in my viewing of him was, you know, you know, how's he going to deal with the striking aspect? Because I see him dominate with the wrestling dominate with the grappling in such a fashion, really never see him tested there. And um, what's been nice about him going up to UFC, he started to display his yeah. striking prowess. Now, it's one thing delivering strikes and, and looking devastating and being successful with the delivery of strikes. But what really truly impresses me along with that is your, your, you know, the form, the footwork, the defensive capabilities, the, the ability to, to not only defend and be aware of the strikes that come at you, but to also be effective whilst trading in the pocket. And I, I, I just felt like, you know, that last fight, I really got a sense yeah. of the capability of his striking and his decision-making. Now, the decision-making, for my mind, for what I've witnessed of Jack, is that you can make someone as technical, you can have someone who can hold down a good strategical program and, and, and get that all kicked off. But ultimately, the, these fighters are in there potentially, or, you know, they're on their own in there that you put the coaching aspect in, but they're doing it all themselves. And what really, really stands out for me with Jack is not only now have I seen his striking capabilities, his defensive capabilities on the feet, but his decision-making. And, and that, that's something that really, really impresses me. And I think this is what separates a high level guy to someone who's potentially cream of the crop. I'm talking top five. And I'm think I'm seeing, you know, you talked about blueprints. I feel like I'm seeing a blueprint in Jack's game. Uh, for for being a contender for that top five within the next two to three years, um, largely because of the decision making um, under pressure, it just seems to do the right thing at the right time. I don't know whether you, you know what you rate on my take of things, but no, to me that's the standout. Yeah, for, for me, uh, what sets him apart um, is his fight IQ. I mean, physically, yes. if you look at him athletically, there's much more gifted athletes in that. UFC as a were in cage warrior. He's got to work hard to get into shape. You know, if he take if he takes three, four weeks off, he'll balloon up to 80 kilograms. You know, he's not a natural, he's not got a, a good metabolism, he's not got um a natural a natural athletic gene in him. But what he has got is that, as you said, he's got that ability to just think on his feet. So I, I'll take it back to Cage Warriors, you know. When we fought Mike Eck and Dio, you know, everybody had told us about uh, he was gonna be this elite level wrestler. So the game plan was go out, 
defensive wrestling strike. Hopefully, you'll panic shoot. We'll, we'll get the top. But like Jack made the decision, and this is where we give him the freedom as a coaching team to make those decisions. Right? He said off the first clinch, he knew we were out wrestling. So mm-hmm. back, this is why we, we, t- we tend not to watch too much on opponents. We'll have a look at his strengths and weaknesses. But again, due to pullouts and due to how things could change in a game, we, we try and give Jack, Jack the freedom to implement his game. I think we see yeah. it with you know, everybody's saying this, you know, Division Two wrestler was going to manhandle him, out-wrestle mm. him, got, took him down six times, didn't score one, one takedown. Same with this fight, you know, the ability that, you know, he's broken his thumb, but he, he, he still had enough to just throw the jab straight, hit the low kick. Do, um, one for me was, a lot of guys would have blown, he had the arm triangle. Now, in the gym, Jack, I would say, 99.9999% of the time, if he hits that arm triangle, doesn't matter what size you are, you will finish our submission. So when you hit that position, me and Carl have gone, oh, here we go, it's over. And he's come out mm. in the corner and said, I could feel my shoulder separating as I started squeezing. Aye. So a lot yeah. of fighters would have continued with the squeeze and probably put him out of the fight for the next two rounds. He's got mm. that ability and maturity to go, hang on, I might get it, I might not get it. I'm, I'm winning the fight on my feet, less, less progressive position. So he, he's he's very, very, you pick things out as well. You know, me, me and him will sit down and we'll analyse a fight that went, when we got and the two of us, we could talk for ages just about picking out weaknesses, picking out strengths, picking out oh look at look how he's placing his foot there, Dad. Look how look how his chin drops to the left as he throws a right at you know mm. little little details. But he's, he's got that IQ where he can switch the fight up if he gets injured. He can switch the fight up if he feels well. I was going to strike with this guy, but to be honest, I think I'll stop him with the wrestling. Or I was going to wrestle with this guy, but hang on, I got him on the feet. You know, yeah, yeah. His IQ is as high as any fighter I've ever. I've ever seen, let alone coach, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that transcends into his performances in the UFC. It shows a tremendous yeah. amount of um, maturity, doesn't it? And and because self-control, like all of it, just to be able to... Because I feel like, you know, Jack is still quite young. And I think it would be easy, even though you could feel his shoulder going, to think, well, I can finish the fight here and get out of it. But it's also, if your shoulder goes, he's not going to be able to... Yeah finish it and then you've got a bigger problem where you're at more risk it's uh it's just incredible i find it fascinating that he's got he's quite yeah um i guess like an old head on young shoulders in many ways is that fair to say mate he's well-rounded as well you know he, he he's not one of the you know i've had lads that are good strikers so that's a comfort zone they tend to concentrate on striking and neglect the grappling and wrestling vice versa good grapplers that well oh i can't make a tuesday to the tie clap you know where he, he's going to boxing with Gary Lockett. He's going to one-to-one tie classes with um, uh, Crew Heem. He's doing the main classes with Crew Heem. He's at every single gi session. He's at every single no-gi session. He's at every single wrestling session. Even outside of fights, he'll take the one week off and he attends every single class and, and trains at every single class. And I think his well-roundedness has given him a self-belief where he, he knows in his mind, regardless of who he faces, he will figure out a way to beat that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very exciting ride. Um, let's go to some more questions from the live show. Uh, some like live chat, should I say? Um, oh, Gaz, we'll save that question for uh, just a minute because that's that is not a short answer, um, and it also involves all three of us. Um, but just to give you a heads up to get your thoughts about, um, Gaz said, "What's your thoughts on the Alana McLaughlin situation and controversy?" Um, Alan McLaughlin, obviously the transgender 
uh, lady who fought recently and there was a bit of an outcry from fighters and coaches alike. Um, but I'll let you have a little think about that and we'll come back, circle back to that in a minute. Um, Donna says, Danny, do you prefer fighting or coaching? Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And do you uh, still fight for fun? Uh, no. <laughs> No, I don't do any kind of flying, although, although it feels like it when I'm on the mat these days. And, you know, me, me and Richard both are in our twilight years. Regards um, rolling around on the mat with some of these young guys. And, and on that note, I'm planning to do a master's class for an over 40s. And in fact, soon I'll have to do an over 50s thinking about that. But, um, yeah, it's not nice being on the mat with some of these tenacious 25-year-olds. Um but so, what, I'll just go back to the original question. What was the original question? I've, I've got myself off track. Uh, do you prefer fighting or coaching? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, at the time when you've got your fight career, you're just full of so many hopes and aspirations. And that brings a, a different type of enjoyment and, and desire to chase you know, something on a personal level. Um, but truly, I think I enjoy the coaching more. And, and whether that's just because I'm in it now, maybe if I was competing and coaching, I was perhaps told you that it was um, competing. But you know, in honestly, in honestly, because I've done one and the other in separate, and I've done it both together, I think I think the coaching gives me more rewards in in many many ways. I get to relive my experiences through these young athletes, and. Um, you become connected to them, many of them become friends. I mean, sometimes the connection ain't so close with certain other fighters and stuff, but it's okay. You know, we, we still get the job done and we still work well together. But some of them become really, really close friends. And, and it's a real, it, it's stressful, but so rewarding. I imagine it's like, you know, people being nurses. I mean, they must see so much tragedy and, and have so many difficulties in their, their, their job from day to day. But yet the rewards of doing a good deed for their job, it, it must be so hugely rewarding as well. And, and, and that's where the coaching lies for me. It, it's, it's a real mix of uh, positive emotion, uh, emotions when you obviously get successes and, and, and having to overcome um, you know, things that don't plan out so well. But that's the beauty of the coaching for me. And it's probably why I picked the coaching because you go through it as individuals and as, as a team. It's just it's, it's just endless. And so, yeah, overall, to answer the question, yeah, I'd say coaching has been better for me. And uh, it's always evolving, right? And one thing that I like to think that I try to do a little different from, from say, most other gyms is it, I try to come up with my own ways uh, collectively with some of the other coaches and high-level students. You know, we don't just want to do the takedowns that are being done, um, you know, you typically see in UFC. We try to think of new ways of adding up um, a different chain of events that lead to a takedown, so on and so forth. I think MMA is still subject to interpretation, and um, you know you shouldn't just stick with doing what's being done now. If, in fact, if you think about MMA, say 15 years ago, it's very, very different from the MMA we see now. It has evolved naturally through natural selection, and um, 
I like to think that I can try to still innovate some new ideas that are kind of create successes that haven't been seen before to try to give that edge over um, your, your other gyms and so on and so forth. But oh, crikey, I really dragged that answer out. Didn't right. I? So, so the headline, the headline from that is Danny Batten takes MMA forward through natural selection. Um, so that'll, that'll be the, uh, the thumbnail for that clip. No, um, uh, Richard uh, Donnerberg says, which football team did you play for and who do you support? I know the answer to this. I played for a local team, Lady Boobirds. Um, bit of history. It was myself and three other guys actually formed the team and they're one of the most oh, successful teams in the area now. Uh, football support, uh, Manchester United, but if I'm honest, I'm, I'm not a big supporter. I just enjoy trolling on the... I know you do. I mean, I have people I have no idea who they are messaging me trying to pick up <laughs> over Cristiano Ronaldo. You know? <laughs> but I know I get a good reaction so I just push stuff like don't think we'll lose a game all season and my yeah. goes up then you know with, with a torrent of abuse from oh from I could show you some DMs I've had since Ronaldo signed back for United and, uh, <laughs> and, and I do follow Cardiff a little bit as well yeah since Ronaldo's come back and I gave an opinion that I think he's better than Messi you wouldn't believe some of the messages I've got it's unreal like I just don't um don't really understand it, but it's funny, nonetheless. People they're very attached and they to to opinions. Um, they get very excited if you have a different opinion to them sometimes. Um, but you know, such is life, I guess. If it would be all be boring if we all thought the same thing, is what I say. Um, right, let's circle back to that question because I didn't want to just skip over it. Um, I did talk about it a little bit on the Roger Gig show yesterday. I don't know how we got there on a football show. Um, Danny, it is something we've touched on briefly before. Obviously, um, you had the Fallon Fox thing. Um, and I think my big thing or my big issue with the original um, thing with Fallon Fox was that there was fighters who didn't realise the situation. And obviously, you had the lady who had her skull fractured. And that's a whole different story. And like that, to me... If, and this is only my opinion, not the opinion of Danny or Richard. Like to me, that's a problem. Um, if you're not telling the fighters that the fighter was previously uh, a male, and also, of course, you know that that young lady had to retire from MMA and stuff like that. She was, you know, she was quite early into her career. She had a fractured skull. Um, that's that's not on. And I think most people would not be happy with that situation. Um, on the more current uh, one with Alana McLaughlin, I, I'm not comfortable with it because not only is uh, was she previously a male MMA fighter, but she's also a special forces. Um, she was in the special forces, should I say? It's, it's really it's a, such a complex subject, a subject which we're not going to be able to cover massively in you know five minutes or so. But I do want to get your you guys' opinions. Obviously, you're both involved in the sport um danny we'll throw to you first mate like where are you with it and what do you think uh i'm not a fan of it uh in, in all honesty um I'm, I'm certainly up to discussing it with anyone on, on the level and i'm always open to potentially changing my opinions on things through being educated um i think you have to look into the science of the different difference in uh physicality um, but I, what I do know from it is that once you reach puberty as a male, you get advantage with your skeleton, with your lungs, 
your blood capacity and uh, there's all sorts of advantages that come with that um at the moment when you know it, it's not in any abundance but i think if you open the gate to this i think eventually you're going to see some some horrific injuries and we already see that occasionally anyway in mma i mean it's a it's a very very tough combat sport and i think look in my mind the the, the female fighters wrongly or rightly haven't got, got as much attention as the male fighters largely because the male fighters have been very, very well established the women around really getting some nice generated um you know publicity and attention which is well deserved i really love watching the female fighters fight but i just think it's just going to create a shadow and look you know let's be really honest about this that's to surmise you get a transgender athlete coming to the ufc as an example and wants to move up the ranks now the difficult i think this transgender athlete will have is maybe half more than half will probably refuse to fire so you know how would that ever work in in terms of something like ufc or bellator i just don't know um but personally my view on it is i'm not comfortable with it I don't know what the right answer is. It maybe if you could get enough transgender athletes together, maybe they can fight each other. <laughs> I don't know, but I just think it's tough enough for these female fighters trying to get on equal par with the male fighters, let alone putting this issue onto them as well. And in fact, you know, why don't we see this the other way around? You know, we never really see the fact that you know, there's there's a woman who wants to transition to a male and having success. You know, we, we don't see it the other way around. Funny enough. Mm. Yeah, it, look, it's a really complex subject. I think you talked about it very well there, mate. Um, let's talk to, to Richard. I mean, Richard, have you got a, an opinion on it? Yeah, I, I think Danny's touched on a lot of it. I think um, genetically and physically, they're going to have quite a lot of advantages. Um, I'm against it. I, I agree with Dan. If there's enough transgender um, ladies that want to compete, then I've got no issue with them competing against each other. And for the advocates of it, my argument is this. So do we, in boxing or any combat sport, do we strip out the male and female divisions and let everybody jump in together? You yeah. know, there would be a, a massive outcry. If, 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 of course if I'm a huge Warriors Academy show next week and said there's going to be no male or female divisions and the main event is an 84-kilogram female against an 84-kilogram male, yeah. I would be shot down in flames. Now, um, I'm as open-minded as anybody and, and people are free to live their life how they want and I wish them all the best. But when it comes down to a sporting contest, particularly a physical one, um, as you said, Dan, I think there's a, a possibility of somebody getting badly hurt um, and, and all those advantages of, you know, of, of having the male hormone in them for so many years. As you said, the puberty, genetically, you're much more modified than what possibly be. So for me, um, I'm dead against it. Um, all for transgender I'd have no issue putting transgender match on on my uh, on one of my shows no hang up on that whatsoever but I, I do feel it's an uneven uh, playing field and it's no different yeah. fighting a, a female in a combat sport as far as I'm concerned yeah 100% I couldn't have put it better and I'm glad that I let you two do the majority of the talking because you conveyed what I would have said but you conveyed it much better than what I would have done um and that's the thing, isn't it? I think all three of us have just said we're all for inclusive inclusivity, and everyone can you know live their life how they want. And I want everyone to be happy. That would be my ultimate aim is for everybody to be happy. But it's got to be a it's, it's a safety issue for me, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. Um, and like you just said there, Richard, you touched upon. There's a reason why 
it's not just a free for all and male fight male fighters are fighting female fighters because it's, it's dangerous. Um, and I think that's the best uh, the best way we can discuss that subject in five or so minutes. I think. Um, but thanks for the question, guys. I do appreciate it. Um, good question. It is a good question, and it, you know, it's uh, look. There's no point in shying away from it. Like there's been fighters and people talking about it for the last couple of weeks, um, but it's a very complex subject. And people, it's, there's a, a there's a group of people who get very upset if you even talk about it. And I, I'll never understand that. And that those people, by the way, who get very upset if you talk about it, they're not. That's not transgender people. That's people who just seem to take up offense for other people and um, the majority of people who i've had any small conversation about on this sort of subject because i know sharon davis does a lot about um she talks about it a lot with general sports particularly in swimming which is obviously something that she came up in and the the sacrifices that men and women and transgender women um and men make to try and be professional athletes is is incredible the sacrifice to train day in, day out. You mentioned earlier, Richard, about Jack having to get up at, you know, the ungodly hours in the morning to train. And that's the same for people who want to go to the Olympics for swimming, for, for running, football, whatever. It's the, those, to be a professional athlete, you have to have incredible commitment and it needs to be a level, level playing field for all. And I think Sharon Davis's point with the athletic side of it is that it isn't if you sort of open the floodgates, as it were. Um, but there we go. Um, so, uh, Richard, just before we let you go, mate, uh, we like to play something called... Uh, it's called the one-word game, but it's not a one-word game. Basically, I give you a list of uh, eight people from combat sports, and you just tell me the first thing that, uh, that comes to mind when you hear that name or you think of that person. Um, so... Uh, First name is, nice and easy, Conor McGregor. Money-making machine. Uh, next one is the Paul brothers, Jake and Logan. Brilliant. The same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Tyson Fury. Greatest heavyweight of all time. Anthony Joshua. Second best British boxer present time in the Dana White. Godfather of MMA. Uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson. Greatest fighter of all time. And uh, Danny Batten. Best-looking ball person on this screen. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then finally, um, so actually I had Jack Shaw in this slot, but um, I'm going to change it and I'm going to put Oban Elliott. Hard work. <laughs> um, just on Oban, obviously he's had a, a, a very difficult year or two. Um, for a variety of reasons, like uh, how much are you looking forward to seeing him back in the cage as his uh, as his friend, as his coach? Yeah, he's back now. Uh, week Thursday, isn't he, on the trilogy? I've got four on there. 
got Oban, Jack Tucker, Josh Reed, and Scott Pedersen. And I mean, I, I say this to everyone: if Oban can take what he does in the gym into the fight, he's going to be a problem for anybody in that division. You know, um, you know, he's had a good camp. There's been no injuries. Um, he's fit. He's strong. So I'm, I'm excited. It'll be, it'll, it'll be it'll be good to get him back in. There's going to be a bit of nerves. That's going to be natural after almost two years out. Take you a medical issue, like you have the bloody heart issue. Um, then he fractured his orbital. Um, but this has been a plain sailing camp. You know, there's been no excuses. He's trained hard. The weight's spot on for welterweight. And uh, you know, he's fighting a good lad as well. You know, I know George. George and his dad. We go back a long way. Um, Jack and George had a. A jiu-jitsu match. It came up on Facebook the other day, um, Jamie sent me. Um, when they were around about eight, nine years of age, and that photo keeps coming back to haunt the pair of them. But he's a like, <laughs> you know, so we know what we're up against. He's a tough kid, George, but like I said, if uh, if he turns up and he can deliver what he's doing at the moment in the gym, into the cage and, and, and rise above the nerves and everything else, he's going to be a problem. Good stuff. Um, and as you, as you, you mentioned before that... Um, your amateur section at Shore MMA is uh, is hot with talent, um, but you must be looking forward to that trilogy card with um, the guys you've just mentioned there. Do you want to say talk about that the trilogy and talk about them a little bit? Um, you know, props to Cage Warriors. The one the one solid during this this pandemic has been Boylan and the team. To be fair, you know they've created opportunities for, for our guys to train up and fight. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm hoping that this will be the last trilogy and we'll go back to a normal format next year where they'll travel around the country, different fights, different areas, um, and break it up rather than three fights, you know, three fights in three days. And obviously with audiences again, because I, I think when the crowds start coming back to Cage Warriors, I think people won't take it for granted no more and you'll be seeing full houses. But um, yeah, you know, f- first up for us is Scott Pedersen. Um, Scott lost his pro debut in a really close fight against a really ta- talented lad from... Um, from Patrick McAllister's gym, but uh, I think I, I think Scott again his application has, has got all the potential to go as far as he wants. Um, Jack Tucker is another one. It's his first pro fight, and again, if he can take what he's doing in the gym day in day out into the into the cage, you know, Jack has suffered before a little bit with nerves and his arm at the days. But if we get his mental side right, he's he's got all the capabilities. We've spoken about Oban uh, and obviously Josh Reed, you know, and Josh is Josh. Turns up, no one trains harder in the gym. Nobody gives me more. As a coach, you know, if if everybody had Josh's attitude, my job would be so much, much easier, you know. Mm. have the rubber the green all the time. Um, but, you know, on, on his day, he's capable of beating anybody, you know. So, um, four lads, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited to see. In my mind, I want a 4 and 0. You know, I, I'll be disappointed if he can't believe anything there. And, of course, you've got Cage Warriors Academy show coming up as well, which is, we didn't even get into that. I was hoping to uh, into chat about that. but we'll, uh... A couple of weeks, I? I've got Trilogy. Following week, then, i got nine fighting on the Cage Warriors Academy. And then that's on the Saturday. Then I fly up with Brett on the, the Monday, then to Arizona for the Bellator match against Eric Perez the following week. So I've got a busy three weeks. Cannot wait. Cannot wait for Brett's uh, Bellator debut. It's going to be superb. Um, Richard, in one word, because uh, we're going to let you go now, Will we see a UFC London or UFC British card before Christmas, do you think? No. Do you think early next year, do you reckon? 100% we won't. It'll be, um, if we're lucky, March. Okay. What was the um, what was the issue with the, the London card? Because obviously everything seems to be open, doesn't it, in, in England? 
for MMA, you need to get same as what Cage Warriors had to apply for is this, this um, government clearance for COVID for, for okay. and it, I think there was an issue with that. And also, Dana was unsure whether the the government were going to bring in the COVID passport. This is what I was hearing in Vegas. So there's a lot of factors. One, they they were struggling to get the government um, guidance through in time, and two, he wasn't happy that he may end up with half a crowd because of restrictions on the how many could turn up at the venue. Got you, got you, um, Richard Shaw. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, have you on again. There's um, obviously we could speak to you for another hour, but I want to let you go on this Sunday evening. Appreciate you giving us so much time, mate. Um, Danny, another top guest, mate. Yes, absolutely. It's always good talking to Richard, and uh, I just wish you and your team and your son all the best for the future. We're watching closely, and uh, yeah, good luck. Are you at the trilogy, Dan? Uh, I, I'm unsure yet. I'm unsure. Probably I will be. No, but yeah. I'll catch up then if you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, yeah. Cheers, 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 Richard. Thank you. Um, and guys, we're going to play a short clip from uh, the interview I did with Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest flyweights of all time. And then myself and Danny will be back to uh, talk last night's UFC. Stay with us. And, uh, and then finally, uh, Conor McGregor. The notorious, you know. Here's the thing: everybody keeps talking about his legacy, right? Like for me, his legacy moves above the octagon, right? Name another athlete that's been able to come into mixed martial arts and make as much money as him, and also have, uh, you know, his own liquor, uh, his own clothing brand, uh, his own. He's been able to. Do, he's been able to do. What I feel like no athletes been what no athletes been able to do, and the reason why I think like I'm seeing that is because I, I read it. I was watching Dr. Murray on um, uh, on rappers like Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, um, all those guys, and they would rap and they would love to rap. But then once they made all their money rapping, they went off and did other things that they really really want to do. Like Dr. Dre has beats and he has all these other things, and he's collaborating. Look at Jay's. Z, Jay-Z made all this money from rap and his passion. Now he's doing other things. So I feel like Connor, he goes and he fights, he makes all this money from fighting. And he was like, hey, what? I want to have a pub. And then I think he's just he's just opening his pub. So I see his legacy outside of Octagon being portrayed. Now, let's say everyone's like, oh, he's ruining his legacy because he keeps taking these fights and he's losing. Who gives a fuck? Everybody loses, mm -hmm. right? It's like yeah, now if sure. he loses all these fights, does all these big things with his money and creates this long-lasting legacy and then he ends up broke 30 for 30, then it's like, okay, then that's like, oh, fuck, what happened? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, 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 but fighting it. That was Mighty Mouse Johnson. There you go, mate. He's, uh, he was not short of a few things to say. You can check out the full interview at the YouTube channel, but um, it was a very entertaining and interesting interview uh, with him. And obviously one of the greatest fighters of all time, mate. One of the greatest minds in MMA that's ever been. He's a super intelligent guy. Oh, yes. Um, so we had UFC last night, mate. First and foremost, I was very, very gutted to uh, see that Kate, uh, Corey McKenna had to pull out of her fight. Such yeah. a disappointment. I was really looking forward to seeing her get to it again. Um, but yeah. um, she said that on social media that she'd had a few uh, health issues, which had meant that she wasn't able to train properly during camp. And I think ultimately, if she didn't feel that she had 
being able to do that, then it's probably the right decision, even though it's disappointing for us as fans. Yeah, if you've got a doubt, there's no point going forward at all. You can't, you can't, you've got to put all in it. You've got to be all in it. Yeah, and look, she'll be, but I've got no doubt that uh, she will be back very, very soon and in yeah. the cage. Uh, before we get going on that, did you watch no, Phil Davis versus Joel Romero? Joel Romero's gone over to Bellator, hasn't he? Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet, but uh, yeah, yeah. go and talk to me. Yeah, I, I, I watched it. I really, I've always rated Phil Davis. I think he's you know been, been great. Just his work rate was always frustrating for me. Mm. But I think you know, fantastic MMAs really is. And Joel Romero, forty-four years old now, he's you know still in the fight game. Physically, you can see that the age is starting to get older. Him slightly less muscular, still bulky, still athletic guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I felt like you really saw the signs of age when he's up against Phil Davis. Now, almost for both of them when they first started out, it was a very, very slow affair, but it did get going. And when it got going, we sometimes saw a little bit of Yon Romero, you know, a little bit of his youth kicking for a, mm. few, a few little bursts. But he really is forming himself. And Phil Davis is a really good wrestler himself. And he ended up getting uh, Romero down several times, in fact, five times throughout the whole fight. Um, for me, um, you know, if Phil Davis was up against a, a more youthful Romero, I don't think he would have been taking him down like he did. I just think this was a physicality uh, deficit issue through age. Um, and it's kind of sad to see. I, I just, I, I just don't want. It was interesting to watch, but people should be fighting at forty-four years old. They, they just shouldn't be doing it. And I think this was um, an example of such thing. Um, kind, kind of a shame to see. But well done to Phil Davis. Um, like I say, I think he's a very, very good fighter and largely un, um, you know, perhaps not given as much respect as perhaps he's deserved over all the years that he's been in the, involved in the MMA. Uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. that I think he hasn't probably been given the the amount of uh, respect and, and due that he's due, as it were. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. 44, you shouldn't probably not be fighting professionally. Yeah. You know, we, I had a bit of a rant last week about um, Evander Holyfield. And yeah. then this week you've got a similar thing. But, it, you know, it's different, isn't it? Because this Joel Merrill has obviously recently come out of the UFC. He's not a 65-year-old or whatever it was um, who's come out of retirement after yeah. 15, 20 years away from fighting to fight. But... Is the same kind of concept. What you don't want to see is you don't want to see someone get hurt because they're fighting past when they should be fighting. You know, if they've yeah, lost. Uh, the and I mean, it's a, no, it's no a brutal, unforgiving sport, mate, isn't it? At the end absolutely. of the day, absolutely. Look, no, you know, no one's saying if you get a little bad run in your career, you should, you know, be hanging your gloves up. Of course not. Uh, and that means, and that means you're passed out. I think a good example of that is Anthony Smith. I mean, he went through a real difficult oh, time in yes. recent years. Uh, and 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 now things are really switching around for him, and and this is someone that's over over the thirties. But okay, in the heavier weight divisions, so perhaps age is less so a factor. Um, I think you can go on longer in the uh, heavier weights. But um, yeah, but Yon Ramirez, I, I think we'd like to, or for my money and for many, I'm sure, would like to remember him for what he was in UFC, and, and not for that kind of performance. Yeah, I, I just don't, he shouldn't be doing it. I mean, surely he's made enough money from the sport to not have to do it for financial reasons. But look, you, money can come and go and, and, and so on and so forth. You can always get that back. But your health, 
you can't and he just shouldn't be in there doing it and there's some real hungry tenacious strikers out there that could do him a lot of harm and I just don't want to see it and do you know what I I am um, I've been critical of Berto of this in the past and I feel like it's a step back for them to to bring I understand why they've brought him on board because of his name value and who he is he's just come out of the UFC etc etc but this is what I criticized um Bellator for so much on the channel before wasn't it or on the show before was themselves hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sign in guys who are way, way, way past their prime um, yeah. and not focusing on younger fighters, which in more recent times, they've started to do much better and much more. Yeah. So let's not go backwards and, you know, let's not go back to the focusing on the, the guys who are past, the, past their prime, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. Um, right. So we got about 20 minutes, mate, to have a little chat about last night's UFC. Um, wow. What did you make of it? Just as an overall show, first of all, I'd like to know your thoughts. Yeah, um, we've had better ones. And, and we've had worse ones. It was, um, you know, I, I enjoy watching MMA, particularly with the UFC bouts. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, there was nothing outrageously, you know, um, you know, no, no one did anything super amazing. that was a massive standout. There's no controversies in any big, meaningful way. So, uh, yeah, it was a UFC. And I still enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Um, very quickly, I just wanted to talk to you. Um, I just remembered I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, there's been rumours this week that there's a um, a new MMA promotion coming. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw something For the about World it. Fight League format. Uh, a major shake-up to the world of MMA could be on the cusp. This came from Ariel Hawani, very reputable source. Um, the World Fight League has been unveiled. The league's planned format is as follows. So it'll be a group of fighters... Uh, from around the world, uh, including MMA world champions, five former M respected MMA promoters, former MMA executive matchmakers, actors, recording artists, uh, NFL, NBA, and MMA uh, kind of all got together to help make this a thing. Uh, the World Fight League has been in the works since 2020. Um, it was non-profit, was established in May the 3rd, 2021. The league will consist of four conferences, North America, South America, Europe and Africa, and Asia and Oceania. Each conference will consist of no less than eight teams, no more than 24 on each team. Uh, each team will have 24 athletes on their roster, comprising of three athletes per weight class. They're currently focused on launching North America first. However, the framework for a true world league is in place at this time they've got six approved franchise owners four in the usa two in canada and they claim they have multiple proposals and applications being submitted for other teams a conference will launch there will be uh, eight respective approved team owners um and there is uh, nothing will be 
negotiated until there's a union in place for the athletes. There will also be medical care, um, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan for fighters when the union is established to set all that up. Uh, the plan is for the athletes and the owners to finalise the negotiations and agreements with launch coming sometime in 2023. Um, I know that's a lot of information I kind of just threw, but what do you, as a, someone who's heavily involved in MMA, and we've talked about the cost of uh, you know fight camps, fighters, things like that, the cost of coaches, until you make it to the very, very top. Like, what's this sort of thing, how much of a change is that for people who would be involved in it? Yeah, I mean, look, it sounds like they've got some serious money to invest into this plan. So, you know, it, it's, it's definitely going to come about. As for its impact and stuff, time will tell. Um, you know, it's, it's unprecedented in MMA to have something like this come along and and um, I don't really know how it's gonna and how it's gonna pan out and how it's gonna look and how it's gonna feel but you know it's not a bad idea it's, it's certainly going to be interesting um, and, and and it's going to get all these MMI fight because look you know with, with only certain promotions the, the, the ones that everyone's chasing you know everyone's gonna bottleneck to try to get onto these events and then they you know not always able to so yes it's going to spread some um, I take away some of the pressure from the fighters only having certain avenues to aim for, such as Bellator, UFC, One Series, and so on and so forth. So this is this is great. This is a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's it's if it comes off as it's being promoted currently, then it's going to be great for fighters. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how the team kind of aspect of it's gonna gonna work where there's franchises i mean i guess yeah. maybe for instance say bst which is yours would become the bst phoenix or something like that yeah. and then you know you set it up it's so it's basically the same but you've got a team of whatever eight yeah. well, eight professional fighters and, yeah, and you yeah. do it that way and you get points That's for right. a win and draws and mm. decisions and finishes i hope i hope that when they do the point system where you get points for a win and learn, you know, and a draw and stuff, I hope that they give extra points if you finish a fight and yeah. slightly less if you win on a decision and then yeah, let you imagine draw. The, the, so they encourage the, finishers. They don't want to deviate too much for the, the, the structure of what MMA is, but no, you know, cool. certainly for scoring points for finishes and, and stuff like that, you know, and perhaps giving a, I just a, mean, a bigger score for that, it's a good idea. So, like, for instance, you know, with football, you have three points for a win and, and one point for a draw. What you want is you want to encourage not just people to win by decision if you get more points. So, say you get five if you win by a stoppage, but you get three for a win, you know. Yeah, it's got to be incentive. That would yeah. be good. And then you get, if, you said, if, it's a, if it's a draw, you get two points each or a point each or whatever. I think yeah. it could be fascinating but um certainly a big story when worth keeping an eye on um yeah so we're not did you watch um any of the prelims did you watch that female fight which i recommended we were gonna uh, no talk I, about? I, 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 I didn't either um like i say i was kind of really 
struggling for time. Um, you might have seen on Facebook, I was with Richard Mearns, who's been course, on our yeah. podcast and, and even covered for me when I was away. You know, he's traveling away to India to start up his own um, own team, um, backed by an investor. Uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity for a young lad, such as Richard Mearns. And, you know, he's really enjoyed coaching recent times. I think for nearly two years now, he's been coaching in MK. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, would, I just wish him all the best. So I was kind of caught up with that uh, as well as other things uh, today. Uh, with work and what have you. So I managed to squeeze in uh, like literally to the minute uh, before I come on to watch the main card, main let alone theory. anything That's else. Right, it, it's been a super stacked day. And um, Look, you must be incredibly proud and obviously a big shout out to Richard. Um, that's what, what an opportunity for a, for a young guy to go and really, you know, create something of his own. I think, um, that's, you must be so excited. You must be proud, even though you're going to be disappointed to lose, you know, one of your fighters, one of your guys, one of your friends. But you haven't lost yeah. him. He'll be back. He'll be back, mate. He'll be back. Yeah, once, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, the, the, the world's been made such a smaller place with technology. I mean, like, you know, you're in Wales. I'm in MK. And, you know, we're talking face-to-face almost, you know. it's uh, yeah, yeah. The world's been made so, to be so much of a smaller uh, place. So, look, we'll be in contact regularly together. Um, I'm sure... You know, he'd be in contact with me some with some advice and some updates on things. It's a it's a great thing all around. Yes, okay, so I don't get to train with him as much now. And um, we did meet up for coffees occasionally, and we like to push some chess pieces around the board from time to time. Won't be able to do that face to face, but we nah, can still you can do, do that it virtually. Yeah, virtually. So yeah, all the best to him. And you know, he's got a recent good lady that they've seemed to have really hit it off together and she's put things in place to go out alongside him as well. So oh, he's gonna go out there, not not alone. He's got a fresh new relationship and a fresh new start to life um in a different country. I wish him all the best. I think it's gonna be a great experience for him. Amazing, mate, amazing. Um look, some of my best friends I've never met in person, so there we go. And I yeah. you know, I include yourself. Um, I've met Andy a couple of times, but not yep. massively. Kev McNaughton, I met. I met him a few years ago when we didn't know each other, and now right. we know each other. So it's it's very weird. Um, right, yeah. first fight was Joaquim Buckley versus Antonio Arroyo. Uh, with yeah. Buckley, uh, Buckley picking up the win via TKO, uh, two minutes twenty six of the third round. Talk to yeah. me about this. Yeah, I mean, not a lot was happening in the fight. You know, um, they, they were having some, you know, some exchanges and what have you. You had one guy that was looking more flamboyant, uh, and Buckley was looking a little bit more traditional, for, you know, throwing in the hard shots. Um, you know, I found myself detracting my attentions watching it because it was very, very same. It looked like they were struggling to 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 engage with each other in any meaningful ways. Um, but it was Buckley, of course, that you know ignited a way to win. Um, you know, I don't think it was a, 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 um, something that was set up. I think it was something that just played itself out. I just think they, they were throwing down at times and, and, he, and, he, and he, you know, caught him and, and got the finish that way. But it was a kind of frustrating fight to watch for me. It just looked yeah. like they couldn't get off each other's style fully on each other. Um, it's kind of a bit of, bit of a strange, frustrating fight to watch. Um, you know, nothing was really coming out as a standout feature of what each other was trying to perform on, on each other until the finish. Um, I feel yeah. like they've both got lots to still learn. That That's sort of like the consensus that I got from both of them. You know, if they want to 
make uh, um, you know improvements in their MMA and trying to get up the ranks. They're definitely going to have to tidy up some of their exchanges. Because, um, like I said, I was just left a little frustrated, and my tensions were detracting from it because everything they did was kind of unsuccessful up until the finish. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Joaquim Buckley, but um, this wasn't one of his better performances. Obviously, a good finish. Um, he nailed him nicely. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, next, go on. I was just going to say that I think the reason why Buckley didn't look perhaps as, as good as he did previously is because of the awkward style. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Apreo? I don't know mm. how to pronounce his name. You know, very awkward style, didn't he? He sort of had this karate, taekwondo sort of feel to his stance and and was quite a bit. He's a pretty big dude, you know, tall, rangy. Yeah. I think they kind of cancelled it. They made it awkward for each other and it didn't make out for a very good viewing affair for people watching as fans. Uh, next up was Nate Manas defeating Tony Gra Gravely uh, via TKO. Uh, two minutes ten into round two. Um, obviously, we remember Tony Gravely faced Brett Johns a couple of years ago, with Brett picking up an impressive victory after a long uh, he had a long spell out and faced Tony Gravely, which is madness to me that Tony. Look, and no, just this is not disrespectful to Tony Gravely. I think he's a good wrestler and he's a decent fighter, but the fact that Brett's not there. And he's in battle. Yeah, I think UFC strange. dropped the ball a bit there. Um, yeah, but there we go. Yeah, um, I, like watching, I like watching Gravely fight. You know, he he's mm -hmm. sort of comes with mean at hands as he exchanges into the wrestling. I just felt like he was gaping his entry and w okay. was allowing um, Menace to keep digging the under pummels. And when you get under pummeled, you can't really get your exchanges off in the wrestling. You can't like. It bogs down your exchanges, um, you know, to go in for, a, say, a double to a single, you know, and stuff like that. It kind of stuffs you. Um, and he kept getting himself stuffed because he kept gaping his entries. I think I would have liked to see him pick up on a single or a crutch lift to then ignite his takedowns attempts. Um, he had one opportunity, didn't he, where he knocked uh, Manis down right at the end. I think it was of the first round and was looking all promising for a really fast finish. But Manis managed to get through that. Um, the round started going through again. A little frustrated with Bradley still doing the same thing. It's like he was failing, um, and, and you know, at certain entries, but kept on trying to pursue them in the same way. I would like to see him perhaps adapt and change throughout the rounds. Um, that was a little frustrating to watch, but of course, it was Manis that ended up then rocking Gravely, uh, and for which he pushed through all the way to, to getting it stopped. Uh, kind of a to and fro -y match, but. I was kind of a little disappointed with Gravely. I do like to watch him fight, but I was a little bit disappointed for the points that I just pointed out, that he wasn't able to adapt and change for the things that weren't working for him. I think, you know, either that's a corner issue. Um, I'm not too sure what, what, what the issue mm. was, but I think he was of the level to adapt and change to try and make more successes for what he was wanting, which was, to my mind, to try and take this guy down and get some ground a pound off. He was just going about the entry um, the wrong way for, for, for what I can see. Good shot, mate. Yeah, it's um, another good finish as well. But, um, next up was Arman Tushrukian defeating Christos Giagos via TKO again, this time in round one. So we had a round three, round two, and round one in the first three fights. Uh, two minutes into round one, Arman picked up the victory. Did you enjoy yeah, yeah, this yeah. It wasn't yeah, too yeah, long. Yeah, It wasn't too long. Um, in, in fact, you know, this is another case of one person getting hurt and, th and then the other uh, until you, we got the finish. 
wasn't really a lot to write on about. Both of them looked like they was going to be super intense from from the get go. So you kind of got a sense that it might not go past the first round, um, and it didn't. But he caught him with a lovely left hook. It was a beautiful left hook that stick him onto his bum. But of course, being so early on in the first round, he was able to jump on him and, and swarm him to get that early finish. Mm. Uh, this can happen, but you know. Um, what was interesting, I've uh, kind of struggled pronouncing the names. I'm going to try and pronounce it by looking at it here. That uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the only thing that you know that, that he did one which put him on his back at the beginning, made it not look good for him in the beginning before he got the win, was the way he shot in. Now, he shot in, he got in nice and low, but he stayed down on that knee. So he's on one knee, one foot. And, um, you know, Diego's uh, did really good in running his hips forward to get that top position. But he just failed to keep it down on the mat. Now, for me, really, it, you know, getting someone down like that, he has to brush up on his skills to stop the guy scrambling up off the fence because it led to him losing in, in, at the end of the day. When you get the takedown, you have to let that takedown score, meaning get it down to the ground and keep it on the ground, make it actually score, get some proactivity off there. But he didn't. He allowed him to escape away from a little lack of knowledge um, in, in trying to keep this guy down. Uh, you know, that, that, that was the mistake that led to his loss at the end of the day. Good shot, mate. I love your analysis. Always, as always, mate. As always, yeah. And then we got uh, Irene Lipsky versus uh, defeated Mandy Bohm by unanimous decision. Did we get another female classic as we've seen so oh, many times? Yeah. Um, look, Lipsky's looking better and better every time she steps in that cage. A striking delivery in the beginning looked very, very intense, very, very precise. She, 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 really had a sense of confidence about her. Um, Mandy was sh shooting in some some nice takedown attempts, but Lipsky was showing some great diversity in her defensive skills, um, was avoiding her getting the top position, reversed it to get her own top position. But again, it was back up on the feet, but Lipsky was looking really, really uh, dangerous. She rocked Mandy numerous times, and you just got a sense that, you know, it's only going to take, you know, a few more of these hits for it to push through for a win. And indeed, she did get it. She was utterly impressive. And I think we got someone now that's ready to move up to, to start pushing for contention for a title shot at some point. Yeah, I think she's got to be, she can't be fight off, far off now from having no, a title she, shot. She was a really good again, really impressive. Very, very good. And she has been for a couple of fights now. Uh, next up, I. Uh, Ion Kuchilaba defeated Devon Clark via unanimous decision. 30-26, Yeah, uh, Kuchilaba really impressed me. Um, uh, looked really, really intense. And he kind of had an air of confidence that he felt that he knew he was yes. going to win. That was kind of how I saw this. And, and it was a case of Devon Clark, after that first exchange where he shot in and wrestled and, and it didn't go the way he wanted. I felt like Devin Clark was um, really just trying to survive in there. In fact, I think that first round got scored 10-8 in Kuzalaba's favour. He was mm. very, very lucky to get past that round and the second round and arguably even the third round. He went through some very, very difficult times where the ref could have stepped in. Now, fair play to Devin Clark for his tenacity to stay in there and try and stay relevant. But really, Kuzalaba was really on form and like i say it's almost like he he knew he could beat this guy and he really showed it in his persona and i think that had some kind of effect and bearing on devin clark's capabilities to try to um get himself ready enough to even look like he could 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 beat kutalaba it just wasn't there for him um 
And that said, you know, I still rate Devin Clark. I still think he's got some great capabilities. But, yeah, he just couldn't get going. Now, maybe if he had a better start, he could have built on something and we could have seen a very different match. But the fact that Kutalaba was to a, able to offset Devin Clark and stop him finding any kind of rhythm, um, you know, it made it a, a one-way streak to victory for him. Yeah, and you, you mentioned rhythm there. Kutalaba, for me, uh, these last couple of fights has really hit a rhythm. Um, he's clearly very confident. Um, yeah. He just looks like he feels like he's on a roll. You're like, do you know what I mean by that? He just he, looks like he he feels comfortable when he's in that cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And look, 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 sometimes people get confidence with that unbeaten runs that can give him a sense of invincibility. But you really got a sense that he feels that he's invincible. So you know, I can surmise that not only is he getting confidence with his latest performances, but obviously he's training with some good people and he's obviously doing very well with them in training. And maybe he's getting a sense of confidence through that. I don't know, but um, yeah, I like what I'm seeing with him. Yeah, spot on, mate. Uh, next up was then the main event between uh, Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann. Anthony Smith made short work of this, defeating uh, Spann via rear naked choke, three minutes 47 into round one. Um, this yeah. was mightily impressive from Anthony it Smith, was. I thought. It was, it was. And when we was doing the predictions, you know, one of my things that I felt was in favour for Anthony Smith is he's just more of a complete MMAist. I felt like Ryan Spann had some um, some holes in his game and they was well exploited. But Anthony Smith did great from the feet. He seems to have changed his approach to the strike and he's a little bit lower down of his stance. He's not willing to trade unnecessarily, you know, fire for fire. He's picking mm. his opportunities more. And Boy, did it work for him. And, yeah, we seem to have a new, um, invigorated Anthony Smith. And it's so good to see him back on form because I always like watching him fight. He went through that difficult time during his uh, career and it looked like you know he might have to choose to perhaps go down a weight or something like that to try to reinvigorate himself. But I don't know whether he switched something up in his training, switched something up in his um, approach to the actual fight in terms of strategy. But whatever it is he's doing, it's working. And it's great to see him back on form. Do you know what I think um, with Anthony Smith? And I'm not, you know, this is just my opinion from the outside. I've got no reason to think it. I just think he's rediscovered a love for the for the for the game. Um, yeah, I think he had that big fight, and uh, I just think after that he had a bit of a wobble, and now he's remembered why he loves doing this. Whether yeah, that's the case I, or not, that's just my opinion from the outside. And do you remember we picked up on this that we felt that he performed differently because there was a crowd there now. So maybe, yes. maybe not having a crowd there, maybe just made him come out and be a little flat and start a little slower. But you know he was really having a hard time in his fights. He just was not looking himself. And we got the crowd back now. He's coming out with a lower, more aggressive uh, stance, but with defence in mind. You know he's not like I say he's not over trading. He's protecting himself. Um, for all-out wars, because he has been in some wars, he's been proper oh, bust God, up, you know, losing his teeth in a fight, and you know he's he's had some ugly. Do you remember when he was that there? fight when he was um, he's literally spitting his feet, his uh, his, his teeth, teeth out. That's right, yeah, he had his teeth knocked out. Uh, that was against T T was it uh, Sanchez? Um, was it Sanchez? Was it? I don't know. I, I my memory. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. But, but I think it yeah, might have been look, Diego Sanchez. He's performing great, and. Uh, 
it's just brilliant. You know, um, it, you know the way to think he defeated Crook, and Crook was a, a, and still is um, a potential major um, future world champion. Yeah, could he be. really, really could. But he just dismantled him in an emphatic fashion, really, really good. And now he's on an absolute roll, and I hope that role continues because, like I say, I do enjoy watching him fight, and it's nice to see him get back to success. And, yeah, who knows? You know, I, I'd say an, another two performances like this, he could be back into title contention. Oh, don't say it. Don't say it. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Smith. I like, I like what he does, and um, I just think that... There's an opportunity there for him now if he really pushes on. Um, yeah. But we'll see. But uh, another heartily and mightily impressive um, performance by Anthony Smith. Um, to finish us off, mate, we'll do, uh, as always, our predictions for next week. Some big, big fights next week, mate. Uh, Sunday, to, uh, 26th of September. Uh, main event, Ant, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega in a featherweight main event. Yeah, after watching, it is. But after seeing Ortega against Zombie that time, um, I I just feel like obviously this time that he hadn't been competing much because he did have a little bit of time out. He was clearly adding to his skill set, and he's looking absolutely incredible. I think his striking's better than Volkanovski's, and I think his grappling is better. You could argue maybe he's got uh, Volkanovski's got a slight advantage with the clinch. But along with that clinch, given the height difference, Brian Ortega's got some mean guillotines on him. So, you know, that might put him into that danger realm. And Volkanovski is not that young anymore, is he? I mean, he's always had incredible cardio. But this guy, you know, he's reaching the twilight years. And I don't know. I just think it's the timing. And I think the right time is now for Brian Ortega. I can't bet against him with this one. Mm, 100%, mate. Um, Gaz just says uh, on YouTube that... uh, he thought oh, Holloway had ruined Ortega and he's glad to see he's back. And I think that was everyone's fear, wasn't it? That yeah. like, that fight with um, with Holloway had yeah. taken its toll mentally as much as it had physically because he was battered. Um, he took, yeah. It was the world, like the record for the amount of punches thrown, strikes thrown. That's right. It was just, it broke all sorts of records um, and yeah. he was just all swollen and bloody, wasn't he, if you remember? Um, yeah. I think, oh, it's for the championship, see? Volkanovski is the real deal. Um, it's a hard one to call. I've just got a little sneaky feeling that um, Ortega's going to win. I've just yeah, got I a sneaky, sneaky little it. feeling. Um, yeah. And Volk, look, Volkanovski is an incredible champion. And um, that division's, you know, incredible. But I, I just got not to, I think Ortega might win it. Um, yeah. Valentina Chevchenko versus Lauren Murphy for the flyweight title. Surely you're not going against Valentina. <laughs> no, I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Lauren Murphy. You know she, she she's a good girl and all. And um, no, mate, come on, she, she's just up against it against Shevchenko. She really is up against it. Um, I just don't think she beats Shevchenko in any range. Yeah, it's hard to see where she's going to win, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it's a case of where does Shishenko want to win it? She could choose to win it and stay elusive and stay on the feet. You know, she's got some 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 lovely clinical kicks um, set up behind her hands, um, mm. and equally so, look, she's got a devastating side control. Isn't she? She's so tight on the takedown, 
what I love about her takedowns is that she she sucks in on those hips. She gets to the match. She don't let up. She keeps the squeeze. A little bit of an unusual way to go about it, but you can tell that when Shoshenko trains on the ground, she keeps going to the same thing. She she literally crucifies people on their backs and takes away their arms and starts striking. And I think that will probably be the way she'll choose to win it. I think she'll win from side control. She'll pin the arms away in a crucifix fashion. And I think she'll stop Laura Murphy on the ground in, in that fashion. That's mm. how I see that one going. Let's see I, if I'm all right. Well, when I look at these fights to predict, I always try and think of, you know, how is the opponent going to beat the champion, if you like. And I yeah. just can't. Like, if... She, if Lauren Murphy tries to take it to the ground, Shevchenko's stronger. If she tries to strike with her, Shevchenko's going to knock her out. I just can't see how Lauren Murphy is going to beat Shevchenko. There's no, no disrespect that... to Lauren Murphy. Shevchenko is just that good. Yeah. And, and you know, this is why I say it depends where uh, Valentina wants to win it. Because I don't think Lauren Murphy's got the wrestling capabilities to take Shevchenko down. So mm. I think if it goes to the ground, it's because Shevchenko wants it there for, for whatever reason. I think she's got a game plan of how she wants to win it. And I've got a sneaky feeling it's going to be from that tight top position that she ensues and the way she strips away the arms. I think that's what she'll be doing on Lauren Murphy. Yes. Uh, then we have the return of Nick Diaz fighting Robbie Lawler at welterweight, mate. This is going to be a I'm quiet one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this as a pure fan. I love watching both these guys fight over the years. Nick Diaz has been out for a long, long time. And I think mm -hmm. very, very harshly as well. I think it was uh, unnecessary for him to uh, be pushed out for the length of time. Probably some of his fault, mate, as well, though, isn't it? Like, it's yeah, not just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not just of course. A case of, but, uh, you know, that aside, he has had a long, yeah. long time out. I just don't think the Diaz brothers suffer from... Rust. I just don't yeah, think they've got the person that is to get caught up with nerves. He's going to go in there. He's going to throw down. Um, Robbie Lula is past his peak in my mind, um, but he become more of a martial artist in his latter years. Now, if he stays true to that way of thinking and, and thinking in the martial art terms and, and trying to fight smart like he ha had done in his latter years, he'll be choosing to try to put Nick Nick Diaz down and, and try to steal these rounds. Uh, on points I think if he stays trading yes he's got powerful hands he could catch Nick but Nick's punches in bunches and to me he's always going to be ahead on the scorecard against Robbie Lawler unless Robbie Lawler can throw a haymaker and knock him down um, and, and put it away that way I think on the feet it's Nick's all day long I think at some point Robbie Lawler's going to have to steal the round back from that proactivity on the feet from Nick by taking it down and getting his own shots off from the top position on the ground to try to even up the, 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 the striking in that way or the landing of hands that way um, but Robbie Lawler also doesn't have, I don't think, the skills to put Nick Diaz away on the ground. I just think it would be a good strategy for him to try and put his stronger frame, because I do think he's physically stronger than Nick, put him on his back and try and steal the rounds away, a little bit like GSP did when he fought Nick Diaz. Um, I think there's a good game plan to be made for Nick Diaz. But if Robbie Lawler don't stick to it, it could be in for a hard night. Um, but, yeah, if I'm going to push for someone to win, I'm going to edge it for Nick because I think he's always going to edge it on the feet. And I think if he does get put down, I think he's going to be very, very awkward for Robbie Lawler to deal with 
even though I think that's the way Robbie Lawley needs to go about it to try to win the fight by stealing the rounds with the takedown, I just think Nick might be a little bit too gifted in both the areas of striking and the grappling, but not the wrestling. But I don't think it matters when you're better in those two areas. Yeah, Robbie Lawler's had a little bit of a kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a bit of a, like a, a refresh or, or like a, he's just looked a bit like he's enjoying himself uh, in recent times. Um, yeah. But like you say, the Diaz brothers do not seem to suffer from what you'd call as ring rust. Mm. If that's the case, it's hard to look past Nick Diaz because people forget how good he is, was whatever you want to call it. He's also got one hell of a chin on him. Both of them have. So I think, you know, if he can capitalize on that um, and he can, anything which, you know, if he, if basically if um, Lawler can't knock him out or submit him, you'd expect Diaz to win just by the sheer volume of the. Yeah. Thing. That's uh, how I would look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'd probably go with Diaz, but I think it'll be a good fight either way. Then we got oh, to yeah, heavyweight. Heavyweights, mate. Curtis Blades versus Rosenstruck. Oh, uh, yeah. Blades ranked a... four. Rosenstruck ranked six. It's going to be yeah, a good one. Yeah, it's going to be a knockout, uh, I think. And uh, Blades for me. I, yeah, I, I do love Rosenstruck. I think he's very, very good and definitely capable of winning. But if they fight ten times, I think Blades wins seven out of those ten. So I'm going to go Blades on that as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then we've got, um, got Andrade, Andrade versus Cavio. Oh, this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. Um, I'm going to stick my neck out and say Andrade, but I really don't know. Uh, I really don't know how this is going to throw down. It's going to be interesting, but I'm going to give the nod through experience to Andrade. Uh, I'm going to go Cavio on that one. I like Cavio. Um, I like yeah. think she's a great fighter. Um, then there's one prelims fight I just want to get your take on because I cannot believe it's a prelims fight. There's a couple on there which I can't believe, but this one specifically. Uh, Dan Hooker on the prelims, uh, ranked number eight versus Nasrat uh, Hakpasat. Um, it's bizarre seeing Hooker on the prelims, mate. Yeah. But then also you've got Marlon Moraes versus Murab Dishvali on the prelims as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is what it is, but Dan Hooker yeah, makes to watch. It'd be nice to see him find the winning winning trade. He does again, basically, you know, he's got he's got a tricky customer there, though. He's you know, he's got an awkward one, but he's an awkward person to deal with too. You know, very, very good fighting on the out fringes of the cage. Not a comfortable strategy, you know, that, that I would put in on any of my fighters personally, but he does such a good job of fighting on the back foot. He really does uh, make it work very, very often. I know he got caught out with that. Um, up against um, uh, what's his name from Bellator? Um, yeah. <laughs> selecting names off the top of my head, don't I? But yeah, it, he had an unfortunate experience there where he got caught going on the back foot. But we so often see him really effective with it. So yeah, if he uh, can do what he normally does, he'll get the nod. But got a difficult proposition ahead of him with the opponent. Yeah, he's uh, he's a good one. I I I, I think Hooker will. Probably take it. Yeah, we'll I'd see. like to see Hooker back up there. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah I like, really enjoy Hooker. Craziness to see him on just the prelims. Crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's just yeah. strange to me. But yeah, you know, yeah, such is life at the moment. These these cards are all so stacked that yeah. they have to well, almost 
put yeah. some of these guys on the prelims. As interested as Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler is, I mean that 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 really perhaps shouldn't be on. That should be sort of like a maybe a headlining yeah, prelim. That should be the prelims, really. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, yeah, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it is fascinating though because yeah, you're right. Like when you look at it, after Diaz has been out for so long, should Diaz be the one on the prelim? I know they yeah. wouldn't. They he wouldn't won't be put ranked. On the prelims, but. Uh, and, and, and Bobby Lawler is on the decline. You know, there's no secrets about the fact. Uh, I think no one would disagree that he, he is uh, reaching the point of being his former self. Still relevant in many, many ways. Dangerous opponent. You know, he comes to bang. But really, when you take into account the fact Everything. that Nick is not even ranked, perhaps they shouldn't even be on the main card. But I understand, look, this is a business and it's going to create a lot of attention. And that's why it's on the main card. Yes, of course. And you know the Diaz brothers are like um, the people; they just attract attention, don't they? People love them. They do. Um, so that you know it is what it is. Um, so that's us for this evening, mate. Another week, Good another evening. episode, another top guest from the world of combat sports. As always, mate, it's a pleasure, uh, guys. Please do subscribe. Please do spread the word about the Daily Bat and Fight Show. Follow us on Facebook. We set up a new page. Still can't invite people to like it, which is frustrating. Uh, so I'm relying on you guys to spread the word and invite people um, until I'm able to to send it out and do it myself. Uh, but yeah, there's Danny Button Fight Show on Instagram as well as uh, Facebook and Danny Button FS on Twitter. Subscribe to the Ace Podcast Nation as ever. But until next week, oh, next week we're joined by. Uh, boxer Lloyd Germain is joining us ahead of his fight on the 8th of August. So really looking forward to that one. Another boxer on the show. They always go down a treat, mate, to uh, to bit yeah. of variation, isn't it? And, uh, Absolutely. I'll look like forward to, to that have, one. We like to have MMA fighters, boxers, coaches, promoters, wherever it may be, we'll have them on. Until yeah. next week, we will see you. Goodbye, good night, and cheers. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.